This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Wheeler area, located at 1500 South Allen L. Bean Boulevard in Wheeler, Texas. Our regular meeting times are at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. each Sunday. Come join us as we seek to worship God in spirit and in truth. I want to talk about a subject that I get asked from time to time, and it's what about Sunday school? Uh, 60 years ago, I went to Sunday school. I went to a little church in Briscoe. And we'd get there and they'd say a prayer or a song. And then I'd go back in a, a room with some other kiddos. I did not pay attention, oh, uh, so I didn't get much. I, I jokingly say I learned how to wiggle my ears in Sunday school. And that's the truth. I can still do it. So I got something out of Sunday school. But you know, our daughter went off to college and she had a roommate that was from Indiana. And she went to the Church of Christ. But she had never heard of a Church of Christ that did not have Sunday school. And I presume here in town, uh, most of the churches have some type of classes or Sunday school. So I thought it'd be interesting to study on... Uh, the idea of having classes, having Sunday school, what's good about it, what's wrong about it. So let's, let's do some studying today, and I'm going to start where we end up in the beginning. Let's start from the beginning and do some basic ideas about church. Acts 2 and 37. Now, when they'd heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In verse 40, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this underward generation, then they that gladly received this word were baptized, and the same day were added to them about 3,000 souls. This is when the church started. I think this is important. This is when the church started. Before this, they baptized in John's baptism. This is the new beginning. So this is important in our study today. Going to verse 46. And they, continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. The early Christians had everything in common. People sold assets. They, they just put the money in one pot. They lived and just worked so hard in this new beginning. They was growing. The church grew rapidly. So this is some basic things I wanted to touch on. Romans 16 and 16, salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. What's her name? The church of Christ. Acts 11 and 26. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people and disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. This is the example of her name. I was, I think, in Elk City 
And so a church, the beginning, that was the name of that church. Well, I'm telling you, we got a beginning. We just studied about it in Acts 2, there at Jerusalem. Paul writes in Acts 20 and 20, how I kept back nothing that was profitable to you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. I'm going to present to you there's two types of teaching, house to house and publicly. And this is what we read in the scripture. So I think as we go through our study, we'll be able to decide what we know and what we don't know about uh, Sunday school. Let's talk about teaching house to house. I'm going to try to keep this simple because i got a few more slides than I usually like to have, and I promised some people that if they went to sleep, I would too. So let's not do that. Teaching house to house. In Ephesians 6 and 4, it says, You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Fathers should teach. It's just plain and simple. Let's talk about the women. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Women are to teach. They teach your children. House to house, women can teach anything, anybody, okay? Let's talk about a man and woman teaching. Over in Acts 18 and 24, and a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. This is important, knowing only the baptism of John. In Acts 2, they was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for their mission of sins. Apollos didn't know this. He did not know that. Going ahead in verse 26. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla, this is husband and wife, had heard, they took him unto them and expounded to him the way of God more perfectly. Some uh, translations of the Bible say it took him outside. But they took and studied with him and explained to him that now they're supposed to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. They taught him the word of God more perfectly. We have a man and a woman teaching another man. So we've established here briefly in house-to-house studies, men can teach, women can teach, both of them can teach. It's that simple. All right, getting a little more basic, let's talk about teaching publicly. Acts 20 and 7, upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. When are we supposed to assemble? First day of the week. That's not too hard to understand. 
Okay, let's think about this. Hebrews 10 and 24. Let us consider one another and provoke into love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Together, to me, is very important. We come together. When I came together and to go to Sunday school, we came together and then we divided up and went into other rooms. That wasn't being together. That was coming together and dividing, coming together and separating. So, most of you know where all of the verses are about the assembly. And we're not going to go through all of these because some of them is talking about tongues. We're not going to go into that. We're going to try to keep it simple uh, because I'm simple-minded, okay? We are to edify the assembly when we come together. 1 Corinthians 14 and 9 and 19. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. We realize that when we try to teach. Uh, I've heard people say, I don't have enough filler to get up and speak. Give the word of God. That's enough. So we need to edify the assembly. Here's together again. This is in our instructions for the assembly. In verse 23, If therefore the whole church be come together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there be and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say, you're mad? What are we addressing here? The whole church when it comes together. A togetherness that is taught over and over and over. Verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when ye come together? Every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a reservation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done into edifying. <coughs> so together is so important as we learn in our assembly. A, a degree of togetherness. That's taught over and over. Uh, we talked about speaking in tongues. What about that we have to have an interpreter if someone with, speaks another language? Verse 27, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or most by three, and that by course let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself to God. We all understand that. If we have a, a Spanish brethren come in, if we don't have an interpreter, it don't do me no good to hear it. I don't understand Spanish. Another thing that I think is interesting is that Christians are adding in the assembly. Verse 24. But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of the heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God. And report that God is in you of a truth. So we've seen this happen during the worship service. Christians are at it. People are obey the gospel. 
people may have prayers for the, uh, the church, will pray for them and help them. So, Another one thing we see in 1 Corinthians uh, that I think is important, and we studied this a while back, verse 29, let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. Multiple teachers. Every time there's multiple teachers. We don't see anywhere in the Bible talk about someone being the preacher for a certain congregation. And we went through a lot of uh, different scriptures earlier where it named off the, the amount of preachers at a certain place. Uh, let's look at this. And I think this is important too as we see in 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in all churches of the saints. We try to do things decently in order. We even have it on the board now, certain songs, who leads a prayer and whatnot. Verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. Okay, now we're getting into where we needed to go to start with maybe. Verse 34, let your women keep silent in the churches, for it is not permitted for them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as saith the law. And if they'll learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. Number one, this is the law. I didn't make it. Garland didn't make it. It comes out of the Bible. Therefore, women cannot lead a prayer. They cannot make announcements. They cannot help with communion. They cannot lead songs. They cannot teach. That's the law. I don't know how to make it any plainer than that. That's the law. Let's continue this over in 1 Timothy 2 and 11. Let the women learn in silence and all subjection. I will suffer not a woman to teach or usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. I'm going to stop here. When I was in Sunday school, I decided to obey the gospel. The next Sunday, I had to leave the class. The woman was teaching me I had to go to the adult class. The woman couldn't teach me anymore. Maybe this is some of the reasoning the woman couldn't teach me. I've often wondered about that. It may not be that way anymore in Sunday school classes, but in older days when I was there, the woman could not teach a male. Possibly this is the reasoning behind that. And we're going to address that as we get a little further into our study. Let's continue here. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness and sobriety. Think about this. When we break God's commandments, others will suffer. When I break God's commandments, others will suffer. When Adam and Eve broke the commandments, 
you and I suffered. Everyone in this room is going to die. The death sentence came upon us when they broke God's commandments. Women, I don't know if this is a reason y'all have to be quiet in the service or not. Maybe it is. These commandments that we're going over today take effect in every church. 1 Corinthians 4 and 17, For this cause I have sent you to Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you in remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. This is pretty much repeated in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. We're going over the actual commandments that we are to follow in the assembly, in the publicly teaching. It's not that hard. This one, verse 38, if a man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. What does that mean? Ignorant could mean not knowing or maybe knowing and ignoring the commandments. So I'm saying for that reason, we don't recognize someone that don't practice Obeying the gospel. We don't, rec- we don't use them. Or someone that don't follow scripture. They're not recognized in the service. Now here comes to a fun part. And I don't want you to do this, okay? I'm saying Google when Sunday school started. I've got it Googled for you, okay? I'm afraid you get to play it on your phones there in the back, okay? When you Google this, I found this. And I know you can't read it all. But I noted it, it came from encyclopedia.com. For you old folks, we used to get encyclopedia salesmen come to our doors, and we bought encyclopedias so our children could learn from it. Isn't that awful? We had to buy books, and they filled our bookcase. We had this, and you could look up all this kind of stuff in the encyclopedia. They're laughing. This is not a joke. We actually had them. We had encyclopedias. This comes out of Encyclopedia, and it's the Sunday School Movement, so it's uh, probably as good as you can get. And I'm going to make it a little easier to read. A guy named Robert Rakes, if I'm saying that right, is credited to have started Sunday School in England. And what the deal was back then, children worked six days a week. They didn't get any education. So this Robert Ricks had a paper, and he got together with his preacher, and they started trying to teach kids on Sunday, four, five, six hours a day, how to read, write, and do some things. It was nothing about church. It just tried to keep them from being illiterate. So this is when Sunday school started. And you can see how it grew by 1800, and, and it it. it just keeps growing. Personal account I have. Uh, there's a lady named Virginia Minson. This is David's mother. She said she was in church in the 40s. And they decided to start having Sunday school. So they put up curtains in the corner of the room. So they came in and, and they went behind the curtains. 
He said, you can imagine how noisy that was with kids in different corners in the room. He said, it was really confusing. So eventually they built rooms. She said, I actually grew through this as classes came into the Church of Christ. Uh, I've been told that when they do that classes, it's not part of the assembly. So let's, let's, let's say it's not, okay? We'll take that for granted. Let's, let's look at what makes an assembly. Some of you have read books with this in it, I, I know. An assembly is when the leadership calls it. We've got an assembly today. It's at 2.30, and it's here. Leadership is appointed time and place. We're here. Leadership is appointed a teacher. Uh, teacher is weekly today, okay? And leadership oversees what is taught. I found out last week that some of our parents were having a study with their children. So let's think about it. They had a study. Leadership did not call that. Leadership did not appoint a time or place. Leadership didn't appoint the teachers. Leadership did not oversee it. What was it? It was a house-to-house study. That's all it was. All right, with that being said, let's say Sunday school is not an assembly. Who can teach house to house? Who can teach outside the assembly? Men can teach, women can teach, husbands and wives can teach. If that's true, then that woman can teach a man in Sunday school that's obeyed the gospel. So some of the things are just don't quite add up and are conflicting. Plus, I've got a friend in the Church of Christ in Amarillo, and they decided now the women can wait on the table, they can lead a prayer during the assembly. So I don't know what they're doing in Sunday school. Let's get to the important part that I, or what I think is important. And it's a simple verse, and Jace used that uh, last week. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. This means fully equipped. We lack nothing in the assembly. Period. We're following God's law just as he put it forth fully equipped into all good works basically the same thing here 2 Peter 1 and 3 according as his divine power hath given us unto all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue I present to you that all things means we have everything we need I've been told that, that we here were old school. That we had modernized by adding Sunday school as a better idea. Well, let's, let's think about this first. Jesus was asked by what authority he taught. And his answer was this. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? 
And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did we not then believe him? My question to you, is Sunday school from heaven or of men? Y'all figure it out. Is it from heaven or men? We have scriptures that tell us how to do communion. Right? We have them scriptures. We have scriptures and it shows us how to obey the gospel. We have scriptures on so many things. We have scriptures on how to do the assembly. We have scriptures how to teach outside the assembly and who can teach. We do not need to add something else. One last verse. Revelation 22 and 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. I'll keep it simple. Sunday school is not part of God's plan. It is not part of it. God is not happy when we do not follow his commandments. Sometimes we want to upgrade. I think about Uzzah as he was taking the Ark of the Covenant. It seemed like a good idea to put it on a cart. But he was told to carry it with poles Carry it, men carry it. God wasn't happy that he struck him dead. So as I bring my remarks to a close, I want you to think about what we've taught today. Research it, study about it. Because this question comes up from time to time. We need to follow God's plan to the T. That's what it amounts to. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you have questions about what you have heard or would like to know more information, please contact us by emailing cfcwheelerarea at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook or Instagram and send us a message there.